Let us pray. And now, our gracious and heavenly Father, be pleased to please let us preach, not for fame nor reputation, but to the end that we will be strengthened and someone will believe and in believing be saved. We ask it in Jesus' name. Russ Moore, Mr. Chancellor, President, Mr. President, I'm sure he's somewhere flying. deans and uh, honored faculty and members of the student uh, body of the Master's College. I will uh, find out quickly who talked with you and uh, give him a few lessons in uh, good, better public relations. I'm, not, I'm really not that difficult to get a hold to. However, my son, when I was 10 years old, I had a week, I had six weeks like this week, straight in the row. And by the third week, he said, Daddy, where do you live? <laughs> so ever since then, I've tried to be a little bit uh, at home every now and then. My wife used to tell me, she doesn't do it anymore, she used to tell me, you're never at home. <clears throat> And I reminded her that she had two children, and to suggest I was never there was reflecting on her. So, <laughs> I haven't heard that argument anymore. <laughs> Gee, I'm really glad uh, to see you and to be a part of you and this fellowship you all look very bright-eyed and full of anticipation of your future. I thank you for inviting me, for you bring me back early in the morning through this area for many years, uh, well, many years ago, for about five or six years. Every, mor every Monday morning at 7 o'clock, I would be eating breakfast at Hilltop Cafe. It's somewhere right in Saugus because I have a little place up in Lancaster that I used to go to every Monday. I raise my cows and my pigs and, and sheep and pigeons. Uh, and then I got busy and I still have the place, but it's every year I go up now. <laughs> and I would always see this sign, uh, Baptist College. And uh, I could never find it. I mean, I looked. <laughs> but at least I got directions today. <clears throat> Thank you so much for the song. I was in your uh, country three weeks ago. Uh, our executive board of the National Baptist Convention is made up of Negro pastors, deprived, underprivileged, and low economic status, so we had our board meeting in the Bahamas. <laughs> My discount room rate was $175 a night, so we cut the board meeting short. <laughs> I'm glad to see you here studying, and that reminds me of my first and maybe only joke for the morning. Uh, it was said on one occasion that this very distinguished uh, uh, young minister who had just graduated from Harvard uh, Divinity School was called to church. Uh, in New York on Fifth Avenue. And uh, so they called him in on Friday to show him around. 
and they had this uh, distinguished committee of the former mayor and the judge of the appellate court and several other members to show him the city and they showed him his penthouse where he would be living and then they showed him uh, the country club that he would be a member of and so on Sunday he said I'd like to go to Sunday school I said fine come right on Sunday school we have the best Sunday school best staff best director uh, of Christian education finest students and the most improved teachers, so come right on. And he visited several departments and finally got to the junior boys department and he said, I'd like to ask them a question. They said, go right ahead. These are the best junior boys taught by the best teachers with the best directors of junior boys of any school in town. So he said, okay, fellas, <coughs> who uh, tore down the walls of Jericho? And there was silence. And then one little bright student said, I didn't. <laughs> so when he got outside, uh, the deacon said, now, uh, Brother Pastor, I know that boy and I know his parents, and they're very honest people, and if he said he didn't tear that wall down, he didn't tear that wall down. <laughs> And when he got through preaching, the trustees said, we'd like to meet with you for just a moment, please. And so they went in. They said, we understand that there's a wall that was torn down. And you're concerned about it. And the trustee board just voted to rebuild it no matter who tore the wall. So while you're here, I hope you will find out who tore those walls down and be the finest teachers in the finest schools anywhere. I certainly want to invite all of you to come to the Mount Zion Church. Several were there several Sundays ago. Somebody was there from my, where are you? There you are. I remember. And somebody else. Uh, yes, over there. Uh, I'm sorry you didn't uh, hang around. I generally give students money for their meal. And uh, you left, and I don't have it today. <laughs> I remember my college days and meals were hard to come by, so I have a little slush fund that I just uh, pay students meals, and uh, I'd invite all of you to come, and I'd be glad to pay your meal. It's soul food you'd have to eat, you know, it ain't no Hilton, you'd have to eat soul food, greasy spoon, but uh, we'd be happy to have you. Please come down and be with us. There is in the third chapter of the book of Exodus, the basis of my message for today, Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 7, will be uh, the main verse. And the Lord said, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt. And I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmaster. And I am aware of their suffering. Verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them. Verse 10, therefore come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. And the Lord God said, and the Lord God said, 
and the Lord God said, I have uh, seen the afflictions of my people. This is interesting <coughs> because he says, I have I've heard their cry. And the third thing he says, I know their King James, and I, I like the King James, just like the Lord dictated it. <laughs> I know their sorrow or their suffering. <clears throat> they had been that way for a many year, many years. They had had affliction. For many years they had cried, and for many years they had had sorrow. And of course we know that from the first prayer, and from the first moment of affliction, and from the first moment of sorrow, God had seen and heard, because he's an all-knowing and seeing God. And yet strangely, there comes a time when God hears and when he really sees. And yet he hears and he sees all the time. But it appeared for whatever reason at this point in history, for whatever reason, God said, <clears throat> I have seen the afflictions of my people. I have heard their cry, and I know their sorrow. And then, in the eighth verse, he says something that created excitement unmeasurable in the ghettos of Egypt, in the Jewish ghetto, across the track down in the suffering, low-income, poverty-ridden section of Egypt. God says, I have come down to deliver them. Boy, that, that was, you, you talk about announcement. I mean, the President's uh, State of Union was dull compared to this. I have come down to deliver them. Wonder, wonder what was going on in the in in the ghetto. Uh, I don't even know how he announced it. I I, I, I I guess they had a press conference of some kind, and uh, but he said, "Here it is. Here it is. I have seen your afflictions. I have heard your cry. I know your sorrow, and I have come down to deliver my people." Now, the excitement you cannot measure, first of all, because they knew God. They knew God. Their father's father had taught them about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. They knew his power. They knew his strength. They knew his might. They knew he was a God of terror. He could clear his throat and earthquakes would come about. He could bat his eyes and lightning would flash and he could stomp his feet and nobody could stand. 
He was gone. And for the Jews to hear that our great God is coming down to deliver us. Oh my God, that was shouting. That was, that was everything. Speaking in tongues, everything went on. Everybody got with it. There was dancing in the streets. The old men got up and brushed off their mantles. And the women combed their hair. And the children made merry. Our God has heard our cry. He has seen our afflictions. He has come down to deliver us. I imagine it was in the Egyptian daily. He had read all about it. Read all about it. Read all about it. Y'all ain't going to have us around here long. Read all about it. Our God has come. Can't, can't you see it? Can't you kind of feel it? Well, not many of you all, but some of you all who remember 19th of June when the slaves were free and we he read all about it, read all about it. White folks ain't no do that no more. Read all about it. Our God has come down to deliver us. And it's heightened. The enthusiasm is heightened on the basis of their knowledge of their God. The knowledge of their God. Knowledge of their God. The knowledge of their God. Old Lady Stevens in, in, in the church that I used to pastor at Mount, Mount Coran in Houston, uh, she was, uh, we were having a business meeting one night and she got on the floor and she said, uh, uh, Pastor, I want to ask a question. I said, all right. She's an elderly lady. She said, what is this I hear about ain't no heaven? And I said, oh, well, that's, you know, that's just some liberals uh, talk. They haven't died yet. And at the rate they're going, they won't even go to heaven. So they'll never know. <laughs> she said, all right. I came out here tonight to get it straight. Because I'm on my way to heaven and I just wanted you to tell God, don't mess with me. <laughs> if he ain't got it ready, he better start fixing it because I'm on my way. And in her concept, her God could do it. And so these, 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 these Israelis, these, these people of captivity had this great announcement. And it brought joy. And it brought happiness to the hearts. Everybody's happy. I guess down on the corners where the boys hang, hung out, they were even taking bets on how he was going to deliver them. I can almost hear them in my mind. I bet you he's going to throw dots of arrows into the hearts of these Egyptians. I bet he's going he's to swing down with power. He's going to shake the earth. He's going to shake down their houses and let ours stand. Our God has Come down to deliver us. And right in the midst of the excitement, right while everybody were on their feet just shouting and dancing and drinking wine and being merry, they read the eighth verse. I'm sorry, they read the tenth verse. They read the tenth verse. And that is, he said, uh, come here, Moses. Come here. And there is hush. There's silence. Come here, Moses. 
What do you want with Moses? <laughs> he said, uh, that's who I'm going to send. They said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. That ain't what the headline. The headline said, you are going to come down to deliver us. Now, don't mess up now. Don't, 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 don't come in here with no Moses. I mean, we know all about Moses. He left here smoking 40 years ago, so don't bring no Moses into this. This, you come on and deliver us. You come with your power. Don't, don't, don't bring no Moses into this equation because Moses, fickle and faulty. Moses, we know all about him. He's wanted for murder in this country. So don't, don't bring, come on, stick with verse 8. <laughs> stick with verse 8. You come down and deliver us. You come, you come with your power. Stick with plan A. We want our God. We have been under persecution. We have had to make brick with our straw. We have had to bear our burdens. We have prayed. We have told people about you. We have described you. We have lived amidst all of this idolatry and these other heathen gods. It's about time you, our God, stretch yourself among us. Come on among us. Give us a chance to brag about you. Come down here and put on a, a lightning show. <laughs> and let these people know who our God is. And yet, God said, come Moses. Now, to be very frank with you, I would have been on the, uh, the, with the objectors. To be very frank with you, I would have said, Lord, this requires a greater than Moses. I mean, after all, you have our very lives involved here. If Pharaoh hears that there's going to be a great escape, and we ain't got nobody but Moses. <laughs> I would have objected. Because it has always been amazing to me how God, in the plan of the redemption of man, used his worst option to give the commission to Stupid man. His worst option. Name it birds, stars, flowers, grass. Anybody would have been more faithful in testifying to the greatness and the goodness of God more than man. And one of the things that I plan to discuss with him <laughs> is why would you use man? The only one who has ever rebelled against you and thought he was something like you and tried to outdo you. And yet, in the redemptive process, he chooses his, his third string. And so God, in fulfilling his promise to come down to deliver them, sent Moses. And in so doing, God is saying and said and is saying that my answer 
my plan, my program for the redemption of, of Los Angeles, for the redemption of this community, for the redemption of San Fernando Valley, for the redemption of Los Angeles, my answer is man. God's answer. That is so disgusting and so disappointing because, I mean, God can marshal stars at his command and they can march at his command. He can marshal lice at his command. He can marshal frogs at his command. He can cause the winds to stand still and yet in the redemption of man, he uses man. And so I came up, first of all, to tell y'all <clears throat> that it's a sad situation, but y'all are it. <laughs> now, ain't that pitiful? <laughs> you're it. You're not, you're not just a student of Master's College. You're God's answer. You're not just a student who's flunking Greek. <laughs> You're part of man, God's redemptive plan. And my eyes filled with water more than once when I recognize the awesome responsibility, first of all, the awesome necessity of the redemption of man, and then the awesome responsibility that he would choose such as I to be a part of that redemptive program. I flush shut up when I think that God would make me a preacher and that this preaching has something to do with the eternal destiny. That's too much for me to bear. That uh, what God plans to do in the redemption of your friends, your relatives, your loved ones, your community, your town, your state, and your nation, you are his answer. We're the only ones he's recruited. And so when we sit back and when we say, God, do something about the illiteracy of Mexico. Do something about the prostitutes on the streets of, Sun of Hollywood Sunset and, 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 and the homosexuals on Santa Monica Boulevard. Do something about the hungry people of Ethiopia. Do something about the homeless children. God says, I have already done it. I ain't got nothing else. I don't plan to have no more press conference. <laughs> My answer is already there. It's in place. It's commissioned. It's empowered. 
then some cynical person would have every right to say, like who, God? <laughs> and God comes back and says, have you heard of Grace Baptist? Yes. My answer. Have you heard of Grace Church? Yes. That's my answer. Have you heard of Mount Zion? Yes. Have you heard of Damascus College? Yes. Yes, they're greatly involved in ping pong and basketball and football and baseball. That's my answer. That's my answer. Have you heard of Fuller? Have you heard of Talmud? Have you heard of Paola? Yes, they're all involved in academics. They're all involved in teas and socials and snow rides. And hey, right. He says, I know what you're talking about. I've been weeping over it myself, but that's my answer. <laughs> that's my answer. I have come down to deliver them. Come here, Mary. Come here, Bob. And isn't it a fearful and awesome thing for you to recognize that you, in your specific area, are the only answer that God can do? Our church took this literally several years ago. I preached it. <clears throat> and we, uh, we launched Operation Everything. <laughs> and that summer with about uh, oh I forget now about 20 or 30 full time students and a boy from graduate of Wheaton College came to direct we asked the Lord for 810 souls in 10 weeks we asked him to help us to baptize every Lord's Day. That's been nine years ago because we've baptized every Sunday for nine years except seven. Because we took serious this matter. That we are not just a member of Mount Zion. We are God's answer to the lostness and the needs of the world. We took it serious. We organized 53 committees. We have a committee on every way you can be lost. And I passed the slips out and I said, now if you have experience on any of these committees, sign up. And as a result, we, we got a committee for the impaired. They cannot hear and they can't speak. Now. At that time, I had only one person, and I think a couple of Sundays ago, I took in my 117th member who can't hear and who can't talk, and yet you should see them sing. Not hear them, but you should see them sing. I have one of the finest choirs of people who can't say a word. <laughs> this means he'll pardon you. When they do that, sinners come to repentance. 
we took it serious and we organized a committee for the blind. We organized a committee for the mentally retarded. We organized a committee for blackism. And I have seven ex-members of the Black Panther Party who are rescuing those who, who went overboard in their ethnic expression. And I have a pimp committee of three farmer pimps, one who had nine women working on the street when he was converted. And I have him. And I have a prostitute committee. And I have a drug committee. And I have an alcoholic committee. I have an up-and-out committee for my sophisticated. I have an intellectual committee. I have a boy on my intellectual committee who never made a B in his life until he started in Harvard for his master's degree. And so whenever I have somebody who's having an intellectual problem, I turn them over to my intellectual committee. I have a fantastic radical committee and they did sky writing right up above the Coliseum uh, during the hockey, hockey tournament and 55,000 people and they timed it by radio right at the halftime. They rode across that Coliseum and God gave us a blue sky saying Jesus is coming. And everybody, those 55,000 thought it was the rapture and... and <laughs> But then my track attackers <laughs> led on then by Jane Kennedy. Jane organized about 100 people and were at all of the gates and gave out 21,000 copies of the second coming of Jesus. We're God's answer. God's answer. We got busy and the only high rise that you'll see in South Central was built by Mount Zion where old people who had nowhere to live, we now have a 13-story building plus another building where they can live. On the corner of 59th and Main, we are now completing the Lord's Kitchen where everybody who is now eating out of garbage cans will be able to get a breakfast and a supper free of charge because God ain't got nobody else but us. At our fragment center, we gave out October through January 10,000 pieces of clothing and 2,000 pairs of shoes free because God ain't got nobody else but us. We pray, but ain't no need to go and pray for no special revelation. You are the revelation. You are his hands. You are his feet. The clothes that the poor need are in your closet. The food that they should be eating, you did throw it away this morning. And so God ain't got nothing else to say. He ain't got nothing else to say. You're my people, saved by my son, filled with my spirit. So send I you. Jack Heil, pastor of the First Baptist Church in Hammond. All of you know who Jack. He has this uh, Sunday school bus program that picks up children all up in New Jersey and what have you. (laughs) 
And uh, First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, runs about 22,000, about 20,000 average in Sunday school. They have low days, maybe 15,000. <laughs> Their high day, I think, was 38, 32, or 3,000. He baptizes 100 a week. 100 a week. Every day they have baptized. They just keep the pool. And everybody who works for Jack Hyle, it's so and 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 they get ready to hire janitor. The first thing you want to know, how many souls have you won? They say, well, I know about wax and, and uh, Wolverine. They say, but how many souls have you won? They have to get that straight. And if he's a soul winner, now we can make you a cook. And now we can hire you. But you have to be a soul winner, soul winner, soul winner, soul winner, soul winner. He's called a fanatic, so and so and every time he get up, so and so and so. Every Sunday school class, so and so and every social class, so and so and just so and just so. And somebody said, um, Jack, that there has to be something behind your your drive to win the loss. He says yes, and you know he has an impediment. He's not even an eloquent speaker. He says, yes, it is. He said, tell us. He said, tell us. And he said, one night, I was asleep, and I heard this piercing scream from my sister's bedroom. And I ran quickly, and she was in hysteria, and she was just screaming and hollering, and I had to slap her to make her come too. And she said, oh, Jack, Jack, Jack. He said, what happened? You were having a nightmare. No, no, Jack, it wasn't a nightmare. It was real. He said, well, what do you mean it was real? My soul and spirit went to hell. And she said, and I got to the gates of hell. And she said, Jack, it's awesome. She said, even the approach is nothing but death and stench and finality. It's, it's just an awful and awesome approach. But as I approached the gates of hell and the innkeeper of hell, I saw faces on the other side and they were in agony. And I said to the innkeeper, give them fresh air. And he said, no air in hell. She said, well then please, give them a drink of water. No water in hell. She said, well then, please, just let them die. And the innkeeper said, no death in hell. She said, well, how long will they have to? He said, forever and ever and ever. And then he said, now go tell it. And she said, Jack, as I turned, I saw Daddy. And Jack says that right there, he declared that he would spend all of his life making sure that nobody else's Daddy would go to hell. 
You have a lost sister, you have a lost brother, you have a lost cousin, you have a lost acquaintance, you have a lost aunt, you have a lost mother, you have a lost father. And guess what? You are God's answer. Let's bow our heads. More than a student of Master's College, more than a student of English, of literature, of the Old Testament, as important as that is, you have been saved to be an answer for God. Don't handle that lightly. Don't handle that lightly. It is an awesome responsibility and let me share with you from my own experience. No, you are not able. So let's settle that right now. What God has saved and called you to do, you are not able. I am not able to speak in San Diego one month, to speak three times on Sunday, San Diego, Monday, Sacramento, Tuesday, Master's College Wednesday, and fly all day tomorrow to Boston and speak there and fly back. I am not able. So there is another verse in that same scripture that says, Surely I will be with thee. Our gracious and our God. I'm such a poor and wretched example of who you should have had do your bidding. And so I must come to you and stay close to you. For as I attempt to be your answers, your feet, your hands, your mouth, walk with me, Jesus. Walk with me all along my pilgrim journey. Please walk with me.